Wednesday, January 12th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the playoff fantasy football. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, of course. But also joining us tonight are Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst of the Deep End Podcast, of course, that you're familiar with from the Draft Sharks Network. So, I mean, first of all, Jared, thank you for joining me this late at night. I know you have an, a young daughter and you probably have more trouble staying up this late than you used to. Nah, it's just still prime time for me. I'm still a night person. Any, anything for 8 a.m., you know, you're not going to get much out of me. Especially this close to football season, I guess. You're still used to the grind. This is right yes. in the wheelhouse. Mike and Adam, thank you both for joining us. I know you guys had last year's winner on last night. So, Mike, you should be ready to impart lots of knowledge to us from what won last year, right? Yes, although, as you you know, you might discern from how I look, maybe my age this is very late for me. But uh, I, I thought Adam last night's guy was great. I mean, I, I did learn a lot from him. Um, I thought there was there was some really good advice. So I'd encourage anybody to, to check that out if they after tonight's wisdom, they still uh, want to learn more by the end of the week. Yeah, Stephen was was great uh, having him on. He yeah, he obviously won it last year. He knows what he's doing, but. Yeah, it's good to be back. I don't think the four of us have been together since last year's uh, playoff challenge. So uh, I don't really remember how that went. I don't think we won a half a million dollars. But, uh, <laughs> if, if I may. We'll run it back. I'm not sure we were all together, maybe, but we did do a couple of best ball drafts. Okay. One of Big which time. I won. Nice. That's right. Now, now that I remember. Commander Horatio Magellan Crunch. <laughs> that was the AKA that, Captain Crunch. That was day two of the NFL draft, right? Is that what that was? Yes. It was okay. day two of the NFL draft. And I had my quarterbacks were Lamar Jackson and Trey Lance, which meant a few zeros. Oof. Yeah. I, we, we limped to the wire. I had to bow out of that draft, which you know explains why why you were oh, able to win that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and as you can see, Jared and Adam, if you're on the stream with us right now, at least if you're listening to the podcast, then you can't see anything about it. But both Adam and Jared are geared up for the format that we're focusing on tonight. They're both wearing tight end jerseys. We've got the new Kyle Pitts. And we've got the old and Jimmy Graham tonight. Jimmy Graham might have been like the number one overall pick in some FFPC drafts back in back in his day, you know? Probably. He did score a touchdown to end a game last year as well. Good. Gosh. That should have ended the season once that happened because it, it went on for way too long. He so, was not the MVP, but he did score a touchdown on the last play of a game and walked off. <laughs> hobbled off is probably more like hobbled it. But tonight we are going to be focusing on that FFPC playoff challenge that, of course, Stephen Rannigan won last year. Um, we're going to be try to be the ones that win it this year. We're going to talk about the players that we are going to put in the lineups to try to take home that big prize at the end. The contest basics, just in case you're new to the FFPC playoff challenge, you set one lineup for the entire playoffs. There's one quarterback, there's two running backs, there's two wide receivers, there's a tight end, there's a kicker, there's a defense, and then there are four flex, and that's double what it used to be because the NFL added a couple more playoff teams. So we got more teams to pick from. We got more spots to fill this year. Having those two extra flex spots is certainly going to add some more strategy here because you're not adding extras at any particular position. You have it wide open, obviously, beyond kicker and defense. And, of course, it's FFPC, so we have tight end premium. So everybody else is scoring typical PPR. Tight ends get one and a half points per reception. That's certainly going to come up because we have a nice slate of tight ends heading into this year's playoffs much better than last year's version. The points double in the Super Bowl. So 
You can only pick one player from each team, but it certainly gets important to get the right guys into the Super Bowl so you get those particular scores doubled because that's going to change a lot about the standings from the second to last week to the final standings. Uh, as I said, we've got 14 teams to choose from this year. We've got 12 lineup spots. You can only choose one player from each team. That means we're going to leave two teams out altogether, guys. And that's where we'll kind of start the breakdown here. Oh, and I forgot to mention, but myffpc.com, myffpc.com, if you want to play in the playoff challenge, if this gives you the itch to join, there are still openings, but don't wait because it's going to fill up before the weekend. Now, we want to start by talking about the fade candidates because there are going to be two teams we leave out all together. There are going to be two teams that we kind of soft fade, which is you play a kicker, you play a defense. Ideally, you're picking those from a team that's not advancing beyond the first game, right, Jared? Yeah, and to me, these decisions are just as important as, you know, who you're picking from the other teams. Because if you full fade or even soft fade a team that plays more than one game, like it, it's going to be tough to win this thing. You're trying to beat out, you know, 7,000 other teams, whatever it is. So you you have to get these decisions, right? And, you know, there's going to be, what, there's at least six teams that go one and done. There could be as many as eight if the, you know, one and, and two seeds win. So, you know, you need to pick four of those correctly, I think. That's kind of step one if you want to win this thing. So, Mike, where are you starting in terms of figuring out who to fade or even how to fade, I guess? Well, it seems like something like everything else with this tournament that should be talked out. But I feel pretty good about fading the two seven seeds, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia in this case. Uh, that's what I would do with one team, I think. Last year's winner did that, Indianapolis and Chicago. There was a little bit of temptation with Indianapolis because of Jonathan Taylor, but those teams did lose. You know, Cleveland got you beat if you faded Cleveland. We might have. Pittsburgh is, uh, is super grungy. The um, implied point total for their game in Kansas City is around 17. Najee Harris hurt his elbow last week. James Washington comes back, which might compromise Claypool, maybe even Deontay. I don't know. I think Pittsburgh can make this a game, but I think if they are to do it, it's with pass pressure, pass defense. I would not expect them to score. I mean, the quarterback just looks so old and has all year. So I think against a team that might be the favorite anyway, they get the right matchup. I think Pittsburgh makes sense. And Philadelphia, I think the big, the bigger problem with Philadelphia is I don't know who I would take. Maybe Goddard or Devontae Smith have chances to be you know, surprises, good fa have good fantasy weeks. But running back, you've got a few different guys. You don't know statuses of guys. They don't play till Sunday. That could be a concern for a few teams having the Saturday afternoon deadline. But even if you did know, I don't know what I would do with Philadelphia. So I think I can figure out ways to make the rest of my lineup varied enough to uh, get along by fading the two sevens. Yeah, I don't think that the Steelers are capable of making it a game with the Chiefs. And, yeah, I, we get surprises every year. But the, this team looked awful the past two weeks against teams that are not uh, as good as the Chiefs. So I feel pretty good about fading the Steelers. And if we look back to the end of last year, to the playoff game where they lost to the Browns, we got a bunch of Steelers that paid off in that game. Everybody, all three of their wideouts and Eric Ebron paid off in that game. But that was a Steelers team that entered as the favorite and then fell way behind and threw the ball 112 times. I think if they do that this year, we're going to get a three-yard dot as opposed to a more normal number like we got last year. So I'm probably going to start out fading the Steelers as well. Adam, what are you doing as you start to figure out what to fade here? Yeah, I think I think you guys are right. Mike's right with the two sevens. I think that's 
pretty comfortable fades. Um, specifically the, the the Eagles, you know, I just don't see them really having a shot. Um, and and then you don't really know, uh, you know, in that game. I guess there's supposed to be some 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 poor weather in that game. So, um, you know, is is it Goddard? Is it Devonta Smith? I know the Bucks don't have the best secondary, so um, maybe a maybe a if you got multiple teams, you throw a flyer on Devonta Smith as your last pick there. But yeah, I think the two sevens are probably uh, the best route to go. If you're doing a couple teams, it's probably chalky, but you know, you, you got, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I know when I'm talking about lineups tonight, I'm going to do it from the standpoint of just, you know, entering one or two teams. I, I'm not putting 10 to 20 teams into this tournament. I know that some people can and will do that. So, you know, if you want to translate whatever we say to don't do it, to barely ever do it, then that's fine or go heavy in this direction. But I'm going to build this as though I have one shot at it. Jared, how much of a difference is there between a full fade and a soft fade? Like if you talk about feeling good about fading the Eagles, is there much of a difference between playing nobody and playing Jake Elliott or the defense? I don't think so. Again, I think you have to get all four of those right because, you know, if if I'm playing – you know, Matt Prater from Arizona and they win and, you know, you have Kyler or Zacher. It's like, I'm going to be losing a lot of points to, you know, times two in at least two games. So I'm with you guys. I think Pittsburgh and Philly are the least likely teams to win this weekend. My other two fades are probably going to be New England and Las Vegas. And I think both those teams have a shot. But the thing for me is the, the other two teams, I think for me that are would be next in line for consideration would be Arizona and San Francisco. But I think both those teams have a real shot to win this weekend. And I think both have a chance to make a run beyond that. I think both those teams have the upside to do that. So I'd, I'd be worried to not have a Cardinal, not have a, a, a 49er. Yeah, I like the Patriots as a soft fade candidate. The Raiders, I came in wondering if Daniel Carlson was just going to be the chalky kicker. And I still think that he might be the top scoring fantasy kicker, fantasy kicker from the regular season. And, you know, now we get a first round matchup that has them as pretty significant underdogs. So I would expect that Carlson will be, if not the most popular, then close to the most popular kicker. I don't know how much that matters. It probably depends on the percentage. I was watching ship chasing though earlier today. Um, with Peter Overzet, Pat Corrine, and the other guys. And he had Carlson projected lower than I expected, third or fourth among Raiders. So I wonder if people are going to be going to the Raiders more because there are some interesting offensive players on that team. And I do think that there's a chance the Raiders beat the Bengals here. Mike, are you? would you be nervous about soft fading the Raiders here or even you? are you planning to not? No, I would do it. I have a tougher time with the second one. I, I, my pick would be the whoever you don't think wins the Dallas game would be my second one. And really, if you go by the spreads, I mean, New England is has a decent chance of winning at whatever. They're plus four, so you're in the 40% range maybe with New England. And I, I think that San Francisco and Dallas, especially Dallas, will have a lot of fans in this tournament. And so that's where I think I want to plant my flag. But I don't know where to plant it yet. I, I think that, that line being three is so interesting. It reminded me of our talking about Rams-Seahawks last year when the Rams had lost Jared Goff and, you know, they beat a Kyler Murray, an Arizona team without Kyler Murray, and they went into the playoffs and it wasn't like obvious what to do. John Wolford was going to start that game. And, you know, we talked about acres a lot around that, but they were still always plus three. And the question was always, well, why? So San Francisco has quality. I mean, they have, they have a lot of good players, 
It's just I keep seeing Garoppolo drop back to pass with a, th- a torn thumb ligament against Micah Parsons and that pass rush, and they, they have a problem on the right side of their line. That I, I think maybe they sacrificed George Kittle to keeping Garoppolo on the field. And then, you know, I still want to respect that line, but your questions about the Raiders, I, I, I want to I roll with Cincinnati. I want to use Cincinnati as a, as a winning strategy in this thing because there's so much to like. And then, then I have to sacrifice a Raider team that just played, you know, until midnight Sunday that plays the first game of the weekend. I, I think that's probably okay. Yeah, I like what you said, though, about the Dallas-San Francisco game. I think if you don't like Dallas's chances of going far in these playoffs, even if you, you know, you say maybe they beat San Francisco, but you don't think they're going beyond that, they make some sense as a, a, a soft or full fade here because, you know, there's Dak. And then it's really spread around and we'll get to more into each team later on, but you could guess right on Cowboys. You could guess wrong on Cowboys very easily. And if they lose that game to San Francisco, it's probably not in a shootout. It's probably because San Francisco figured out how to stifle the Dallas offense. So if you don't think that they're going far and I'm not putting myself in that camp, we'll talk about the Cowboys (laughs) in a little bit, but if that's what you think is going to happen with Dallas, that could be a good way to differentiate from other teams. Adam, what do you think? Any consideration on full or soft fading either team in that one or the Raiders? Yeah. Um, the Raiders Bengals game is, is very intriguing to me because I feel like whoever wins that game, that could be a very high scoring game. And uh, they have a pretty decent shot to beat the Titans. Like whoever wins that game could win two games. So that's what, what makes me hate the thought of fading the Raiders. I always get to that, to that point in my lineup build. And I'm like, man, do I really want, Carlson, because like you said, a lot of people are going to have Carlson and there's a shot that they could beat the Bengals and then they certainly could beat the Titans. Um, the other thing about the the Niners-Cowboys game is that could be a shootout, you know what I mean? So I don't want to fade a team, even if they lose, I don't want to fade a team that could abs- that could, they could absolutely blow up. So that's where it's kind of tough, but like Mike said, it ends up coming to me being like, you know what, the Bengals I think are a winning strategy. And we'll talk more specifically about the teams coming up here, but I could certainly see the Bengals. In fact, I, I, in my lineup builds, I have the Bengals making it, making a run. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that I'm scared to fuller soft fade the Raiders, but I do like the idea of them as a potential differentiator on the chance that they win this first round game. And the line has come down a little bit from where it started, but let's spin it ahead and go team by team because it starts out with a team that I think could be, a sneaky fade candidate here. And that's the Titans as the top seed in the AFC. And I mentioned, if you don't expect Dallas to go far, then consider full fading them. Well, I have my doubts about the Titans. And even if they win their first game in these playoffs, it could be ugly style. I mean, they, if you, if they have a preference, it's probably that they're the worst offense other than Pittsburgh heading into this set of playoffs and judging by football outsiders, DVOA, they're getting Derrick Henry back. I'm sure that they hope he's ready, and I'm sure that they would like to give him the ball as much as possible. And even if he's not ready for a full workload, Deontay Foreman has been running the ball quite a bit lately. So I think that they would like to control the ball, like to have a low-scoring game, and it's possible that they win ugly if they do win. It's also quite possible, I think, that they lose in the first game here. And the other layer beyond that is even if you don't feel good about betting Tennessee to lose – they're only two players who are going to get played are Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. Derrick Henry is coming off a broken foot. He will not have played any live football since that foot fracture 
until the game in week two. So we're not even going to get practice reports. We're not going to get to hear he looks like Derrick Henry this week. He's a full participant. We're going to have to wait and see what the case is. And even when we get to him playing, he's going to be highly owned because people are excited about Derrick Henry and there's not a whole lot to like at running back. A.J. Brown is good. He's also variable. And it's a team that doesn't like to throw the ball as much as a lot of other teams in these playoffs. So if I play a Titan, it's probably A.J. Brown. But this is a team I'm strongly considering to either full or soft fade. Yeah, I, I agree there. It's it's kind of exciting to, to think about full fading a one seed uh, because you, maybe a lot of people won't won't be doing it. Uh, so that there's an opportunity. And like, and listen, it, it might even be, be likely that they lose. I mean, you know, according to DVOA, if you're into that that kind of thing, the Titans <laughs> are the worst. The Titans are the worst. We got him to um, say it. One seed like <laughs> ever since like the Bills in like 1994 or something, or which is obviously that just goes to show you by DVOA. I mean, those Bills teams were electric. So, but uh, but yeah, so I, I I get the thought of fading the Titans excites me, and I think you know, like I said about about the Bengals, man, the Bengals could could if the Bengals beat the Raiders, they're gonna force the Titans into 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 a shootout. I think, and uh, to your point about Henry, that probably doesn't bode bode well for him. And it could bode well in that case for A.J. Brown. You know, if they're throwing the ball a lot, he is a target cool. hog there. 29.5% yeah. target share in his 11 full games this year. And actually, when Julio Jones was on the field, that rose to 30%. So that's the good scenario for A.J. Brown. I'd say the counter is, even if I don't play A.J. Brown, I can be sitting him in favor of some other high-volume pass catcher. So I, I'm not necessarily taking away the possibility of a high volume pass catcher. What do you think about this scenario, Mike? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I think there could be some Tannehill riverboat gamblers out there just because they are the one, but uh, because it is such, it is so shallow, but I'd like the Bengals chances to go in there and score the Bengals. Not only do they have the makeup they have, but they got the break last week. They did not have to, play last week I mean some of their guys did like the receivers did but no Burrow who needed the rest you know they were able to mix and ended up on the COVID list like they sort of had a semi-buy last week I mean they're probably a better team than the Raiders and they're at home and I just I, I kind of want to be on them and if you get the favorites in the other games Kansas City and Buffalo which doesn't have to happen but if you do then Cincinnati at Tennessee I'd want to be on Cincinnati there I mean there's different options to go there but your, your last point about AJ Brown I think is excellent if, if you sacrifice AJ Brown in this build if you're doing it the way I am when you're considering the Dallas San Francisco game as the fade well I'm doing AJ Brown or I'm putting in Debo or Lamb or somebody I mean Dallas is pretty tough to pinpoint one guy so you know does the does a Tennessee fade make sense I think yes Will it be popular, Jared? I mean, will it be something that a lot of people sort of think yeah. this way and want to do? What What do you guys think about how popular it would be? That's exactly what I was about to say. I think the Tennessee fade is going to be more popular than maybe we expect because no no one respects this team. Yeah, everyone everyone says you know it's the worst one seed ever. They don't deserve to be the one seed. So I think it's going to be more popular, obviously, than most other one seeds would be as far as a full fade goes. 
Um, just getting back to Derrick Henry, just to play devil's advocate. And I'm, I think I'm with you guys that I think fading him is the way to go, assuming he's going to be the most popular tight end, which I do think is going to be the case. The scary thing about the fade is the other six a- AFC teams all rank 14th or worst or worse in adjusted points allowed to a running back. So, you know, the six other AFC teams are, are not good against the run. Henry's going to have plus matchups no matter who he faces. Um, so there, there is upside there if he's, you know, healthy Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown has just as high a weekly ceiling. I mean, this guy can explode. He can dud too. I mean, he can put up 30 point games. And if, you know, if the Titans were to get the Bengals and chiefs, those teams rank 21st and 22nd against wide receivers. So Brown could have a nice slate of games too. You know, the bills are tougher against wide receivers, although, you know, less so now without Trey white, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on team AJ Brown or fade the Titans, assuming Henry's going to be the, the highest owned guy here. Well, if you were devil's advocating for Henry, I'm going to angels advocate against that and say that the Bengals have at least improved in run D over the second half of the year by switching up how they play it, playing less Trey Hendrickson at end and playing three defensive tackles in their starting defensive line a lot. And that seems like a way to approach Tennessee for this game, especially Derrick Henry's return game. I would be interested in Derrick Henry if he was going to be anywhere south of 40%. But when you factor in that he's probably going to be 50 plus because everybody's excited about what he could be if he is back to full strength, a 250 pound man on a repaired foot. I just, I, I can't bring myself to to bet on it. All right. Now I left everybody speechless. So we'll probably move on to the chiefs here, I think. So I think with the chiefs, we talked about Derrick Henry's injury. We got to start off with the injuries to the chiefs because there are multiple to keep an eye on. So Travis Kelsey, Tyree kill, both came out of the regular season, banged up, both put in full practices Wednesday. So I'm going to head into lineup building, assuming that they'll both be at least somewhere close to their regular selves. Clyde Edwards Lair limited Wednesday coming off his shoulder injury that's kept him out for a while. Daryl Williams was also limited after suffering a toe injury in the Saturday game against Denver. So, Jared, what are you starting out with in your thoughts about the Chiefs? Well, my thoughts have changed completely because I was really surprised to see Tyreek Hill a full go in Wednesday's practice after he, he was limping around the field, barely even played in that Broncos game on Saturday night. So that kind of changes the equation for me here. Um, you know, Kelsey was the guy I'm leaning to. I might still end up going that direction. He did, you know, Kelsey did outscore Tyreek Hill by a couple points per game in FFP, FFPC scoring this season. But I also think Kelsey's going to be a lot more popular than Tyreek Hill. And, and as we'll get to, there are plenty of tight end options this this year and this, this year's playoff challenge. So you don't need Kelsey to fill that tight end spot. So, you know, if if I knew we were getting Hill at half the ownership, of Tyreek or of uh of Travis Kelsey, which might be the case. Um, I think Hill Hill would be the play over Kelsey. Yeah, and I, I mentioned Pat Kareen's um projections before, and I mean he just tracks this stuff much more closely than I do. So he has in his initial projections at least Tyreek Hill at 17% ownership, Travis Kelsey 46%. So I, I know that the tight end premium makes Kelsey, you know, the guy just straight up, but if he if he comes in at three times the ownership, I mean that's gonna be Nice for Tyreek Hill, I think. That was also before we got today's practice report, though, correct? So yeah. I, I do think that gap will shrink a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look back and see what last year's numbers were. Mike, what, what's your initial thoughts on the Chiefs here? You know, I texted you guys on Monday, like, no one will have Tyreek Hill. I agree with what's been said. Like, that will that will increase. It kind of feels like you want to bet against feels like. It feels like Tyreek Hill has not had much of a season. 
but earlier on in the season, there was a lot. You just haven't seen that deep ball, that 80-yard touchdown to break games. It's probably there. I could see Pittsburgh trying to just rough up Kelsey, you know, do something a little bit more physical, be the Steelers, we're an underdog. You know, the Bills played Kansas City that way. They just blasted Kelsey every every time they could. I mean, everybody's tried something against him. I like Tyreek Hill. I think the ownership point is important. And I think the tight end point you make is excellent. There are so many good tight ends to pick. I don't think you have to be feel beholden to Kelsey in this tournament, which, I mean, last year felt like that a little bit. Mahomes or Kelsey, and then figure it out with Kansas City as the one and the defending Super Bowl champions. And other years have probably felt that way too. I think it's an interesting year to go away from him. Yeah, last year, Kelsey was 68% owned in this tournament, by the way. And Tyreek was, I think, slightly above Patrick Mahomes. It was like 16% to 15%. So Mahomes is a, is maybe my chief, though. Like, I, I think there's obviously that. if it's, it's not just a conversation between Hill and Kelsey. I wouldn't consider a running back. But I, I think the quarterback is definitely a, an idea. Adam, what are your thoughts in planning your chief? Yeah, I mean, to me, Mahomes might be the best play in the whole thing. The whole competition. I mean, you're you're getting a team that that gets a bye week while getting points all at the, at the same time. I mean, I don't think they're going to lose to Pittsburgh, and I think they're going to light them up. And so, to be able to get those, this might be the first time we've had Mahomes Mahomes for a full go. You know what I mean? Like yes. four games, play. You know, Super Bowl double points. If he gets not only that, if he gets. Uh, you know, the, the defense that he gets with Pittsburgh, not great against against receivers, like mid, middle of the road. If he gets Buffalo, the Buffalo does have a really good pass defense. But if they can get through through the Bills, Cincinnati, he's probably the worst defense in the fantasy playoffs. Or Tennessee, who's, you know, 30th against, against receivers, 21st against quarterback. I mean, he could have an absolute tear of, of a run. All those games, double points in the Super Bowl. Uh, that's the that's who I find myself building most of my lineups around is P- P- Patrick Mahomes because you also don't know all year. It's been you know Tyreek Hill hasn't like you said Tyreek Hill hasn't hasn't had that bomb, uh, but it's been a lot of like Demarcus Robinson and it's been a lot of Pringle. So you don't really know who's going to light it up for, for them. It might just be everyone c- contributes. Uh, so you're wrong on Kelsey or you're wrong on Hill. Uh, I I really like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes. I think it's at least worth pointing out again, though, that Mahomes, for the better part of the second half of the season, has been disappointing. You know, at least from a fantasy perspective, right? I mean, he had the two big games against the Raiders. You know, that that matchup just kind of fits what what they want to do. And then he, you know, he was pretty good against the Steelers. But beyond that, you know, he's been kind of disappointing. The offense has been struggling a bit. So you know, that's I think that's at least worth considering. That's kind of why you know I I'm leaning Bills over Chiefs in that second round game. Yeah, and of course you say struggling relative to what we've seen from the Chiefs. Anybody else would be a good season. Sure. I mean, New England is going to be a tough game for Buffalo, which we'll get to. And if they win and somehow the Raiders win, Mahomes gets the Raiders again. Um, You know, (laughs) who knows? But I'm certainly, to put it mildly, I'm open to him. Yeah, I think that certainly Mahomes is central to the Chiefs' decision. He's in the mix for your lineup, especially if you're doing multiple lineups. I think the greatest argument against him is that he probably will come in somewhere in that 20 to 30% owned range because I think that Tyreek Hill is probably still less attractive than he was last year or maybe even the year before. 
just based on the heel, based on the recent struggles, his two worst games have come in among the past three. So we have recency bias at work there. We have what Jared's been talking about. It just hasn't looked like the regular Chiefs offense all year. That said, if you look back over the season, Tyreek Hill has seen 26.5% target share. If you take out those two limited games that he had, it's right about the same for Travis Kelsey. So, you know, playing Mahomes means you don't have to guess between those two guys, but it's not really that hard to guess when both guys are probably going to contribute every time that Patrick Mahomes has a big game. So, you know, the tough part here is you have to choose one of these guys while loving all three of them. It, it's, it leads to different decisions and different builds. I don't think there's any, this is definitely the chief you play. And the, you know, the chiefs are still a heavy favorite to come out of the AFC. If you look at the sports yeah. books, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, the Vegas, Vegas ads, they have the chiefs as a you know, pretty heavy favorite with Tennessee and, and Buffalo clearly behind them. They're the same odds approximately this is legal now where we live uh they're the same odds approximately as the packers to make the super bowl with one more game yeah. so the that's important which i think yeah which i think is wrong but you know the th- these vegas lines tend to be pretty good so you know it's, it's, it's yeah. probably more likely that i'm wrong than they are it, the key the key may be the steelers well the titans are a big part of that too but they're they're sort of giving the Kansas, the chiefs right. this game so the same odds as the packers that's interesting. So, and, and Mike said it earlier, but no running back here. Everybody else agrees with that. You're not playing CEH to get cute. Yeah, Edwards Alaire and Williams were both limited on Wednesday. So, I, it looks like they're both going to play. So, it's mm-hmm. going to be back to some sort of committee attack. Yeah. Good. So, we can move on to the Bills when we've got at least one homer. We've got a, another guy who just talks about the Bills a lot professionally. So, probably, you know, a, a subconscious homer to some degree. But Bills are facing the Patriots on Saturday night. Weather.com says that that is now down to one degree, the forecast for that game. It's going to be really cold. I don't know how much it matters for this contest, but it's interesting to me just in thinking how the playoffs could start because no matter what playoff contest you're playing in, the Bills stack is popular and for good reason. They put up a lot of points. They have attractive offensive players and they're going later than Chiefs in those drafts. So you can get to the end of a first round and stack the Bills easier than you can stack the Chiefs. But Mike, where are you starting your thoughts on these Bills? My first move is to look at the line, and it scares me a little bit. I mean, there's every reason to like Buffalo. You you have all the regular season numbers that you could want. They led the league in point differential. They were third in the league in points scored. You, you have, I mean, an MVP candidate at quarterback two years in a row. The QB won in fantasy two years ago. But the rushing, I mean, what's the worst-case scenario? He runs for 60 yards and a touchdown in this game or something. But they have had... Not that this is the question, but I just want to say it. They have had the worst luck when it comes to weather. Like their whole season, even with being first in point differential, their all their home games have been a mess. So there's a lot there with the Bills. I mean, I think New England is a really bad matchup for them. So you've got an implied total in the between 23, 24, and that is still not terrible considering the forecast. I, I think they'll be super popular here. It starts with Allen, then it goes to Diggs. And then I think Singletary could be interesting too. Um, so we're like my overall overriding thought on the Bills is they're a little bit too obvious, you know, and they will have to go to Kansas City if they beat New England. And then there's maybe Tennessee who beat them. I am probably I'm, I'm waffling a little bit on them because I love the team, but I think the draw is like almost the worst it could have been for them, even if they'd lost to 
the Jets, I mean, they were never going to lose to the Jets, they, obviously. But if they had, then they would be the four, and that's the Raiders and the Titans. I mean, that's just like way different than what they face. So, um, you know, I, I defer to you guys. I feel like they have a great – the player – Allen is a super idea in fantasy, it, you know, all of it. Diggs, too. But I'm a little worried for them, honestly. Adam, give us the Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live super fans projection for Josh Allen's uh, <laughs> opener against the Patriots. Zero degrees, guys. It's going to be zero degrees for this game. Build, build the band, build the man a dome. That's can we just throw that out? That's that's my public service announcement. He played college football at Wyoming. How is he? How is he not better in the cold? He played at Wyoming. He stunk at Wyoming. He he, he grew up in California. Come on, throwing cantaloupes around. I wore my Kyle Pitts jersey tonight for a reason because I I wasn't going to talk bad about Josh Allen or my Bills with a Bills jersey on. So here I go. The matchup's horrible. Like like Mike said, the matchup couldn't be worse. And the interesting thing to me is is listening to all the other media out there uh, about the, these competitions and stuff. Everyone is just like the bills are going to, going to win and they're going to win right. walking away. And I'm like, what? They already lost to new, new England. The weather's horrible. Yeah. It couldn't, new England couldn't have asked for better, for, for better weather. The bills run defense is soft. We saw it all year, all year long. I mean, if there's a, a good team to fade in one of your lineups, it might, it might be the bills. Even if they win, it's going to be 17 to 13. It's going to be 20 to 17. No one's going to blow up. And then they get Kansas city who they'll be an underdog against. So I don't, I don't love this. Like, like Mike said, I don't love the way to get through here. Um, now, again, if the bills get up to a, off to a quick 10, nothing lead, they could, they could blow the doors off new England. But again, the weather might not allow them to do stuff, stuff like that. So um I don't, I don't love, it, you know, kind of a contrarian Bills guy that I've been using is Singletary. I don't, I don't hate that idea because again, in a game against New England where it's going to be cold, the weather's not going to be great. You're going to want to, you're going to want to use him. He's been catching the ball a lot more lately. Um, a game against Kansas City, you're going to want to keep Kansas City's offense up off the field. So, um, so Singletary might be a little contrarian pick there, but, um, but I, I don't have a ton of Josh Allen because I've been using P- P- Patrick Mahomes and. The weather is, isn't going to be great. It's not going to allow for great scoring this first game. Jared, I think that we coined a term around here to describe what Adam's going through right now, and that is Homer phobia. Am I right? <laughs> Homer phobia. That's Homer. The spread's three and a half. The spread's three and a half. It's not like it's, it's four. It's, it's, it's at four. Uh, I, I can't believe you, Adam. You, you've spent all season talking like Josh Allen should be in the Hall of Fame right now. He is not, in the Hall of you're Fame fading. right now. He is. Just, 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 shoes. Shoes. Shoes just to clarify. <laughs> I don't think – I don't think New England's very good. Now, you have the familiarity. You know, this will be their third meeting. That I think that adds some risk to Buffalo. And you have the weather. But the, but the, the weather in this game is not going to be like the weather it was in that first meeting where you just you know, literally Nothing throw was the like dogs. It was 40-mile-per-hour yeah. winds. You know, I, it, the cold's going to have an impact. You know, they, um, Matt found some some good stuff on you know cold impacting offensive <laughs> output, like 10% or something. So it's going to matter. It's not ideal for Buffalo. But I don't think it's going to be a game where, you know, the Patriots are going to th- be able to throw it three times and Josh Allen's going to complete 50% of his passes. So I, I think Buffalo gets through. I do think it'll be a low-scoring game. So the offensive production on Buffalo is going to be capped. But then I also think, you know, Bill's Chiefs should be a shootout. And, again, I think I think Buffalo has a good chance to win. We've already seen it. They went into Kansas City and, and won easily earlier this season. So I would not be full, you know, full fading Buffalo, even if you expect them to get just two games. I think you want one of their offensive guys. 
I live in Western New York now. I did not grow up here, so I don't have Homer phobia and not uh, <laughs> particularly involved. I am definitely not full or soft fading the bills. There's too much offensive upside to do that. I do think, you know, they could lose the game to new England. I don't think they will, but I think could, it wouldn't be shocking. It's a four point line. So clearly it's a possibility. They also could lose to either of the other top two seeds. Tennessee already beat them. They beat Kansas city, Tennessee whipped Kansas city. So all three of those top seeds are, are capable of beating each other. I think maybe that scares me off of Josh Allen a little bit. Obviously, if the Bills go to the Super Bowl, it's likely to be lots of Josh Allen. So if you like the yeah. Bills as the favorite here, he should probably be your quarterback because if they go that far and lose that game, then he's going to be throwing a lot. If they go that far and win that game, he's going to be running plenty. So if you are not so comfy with those chances, I think it's tough to get away from Stefan Diggs, who would have upside in any of the losses who is going to soak up a pretty good chunk of Josh Allen's passing production. Obviously the the biggest draw to Josh Allen is that he adds the rushing to the passing. So you're not soaking up as much of those points as you are with other top wide receivers, but Stefan Diggs is still one of those target monsters. It's there are four or five guys that are just above the rest of the wideouts in terms of absorbing those passing numbers. So you can get a lot of the passing stuff from Josh Allen by playing Stefan Diggs. I do think Devin Singletary is interesting and it's at least a three-man decision this year among Bills. Whereas last year in this tournament, it was, you're probably playing Diggs. And if not, then you're probably playing Josh Allen because nobody else was even really within view. Can I ask a sort of strategy question for the build? So would you guys say there's a correlation between fading? So we're, we're talking about full fading the Steelers, which means a Kansas City win. Is there anything you would do differently about Buffalo based on that? Like, how how do you sort of go about figuring out what you're assuming the second round matchup is? I feel like there should be some sort of, you, you want to be a little bit definitive with that. Okay, I'm putting the Chiefs through. That means this about the Bills. Is there anything to sort of, you know what I'm asking? Like, is there anything to figure out about what you're doing with the Bills based on what you're doing in the beginning with which teams you're leaving out? I do think you want to think about it that way, where you want to build out the bracket and, you know, base your picks on the matchups that would happen. So if we're saying it's Buffalo and Kansas city, your bills pick should be based on that. I also look at that matchup though. And I don't think it really favors one guy over the other. The chiefs are like average to be low average against quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. To me, your Allen Mahomes decision should come down to who you think will win that game. So I think those are the two best, quarterback plays and I think it's there's a pretty good chance that one of those two teams gets four games and if that's the case I think you're going to want the quarterback from that team sure they'll they'll be home for the AFC championship if you're right on the Titans like if the Titans fall whoever that is just thinking like if the if you're giving the Chiefs an easy win against Pittsburgh which most people Mm -hmm. seem to be that's what sort of scares me about it is how (laughs) obvious it looks then uh, where does that leave me for Buffalo like is Mahomes I don't want to go all the way. Like Mahomes is sitting in the fourth quarter or something like that. Whatever. I just thought that was a good question. In the NFC, that's relevant too. Two, two, three is the one second round game you can know. Like Green Bay could play one right. of four teams in the second round, or Tennessee could play one of four teams. But you know, if Kansas City wins as a twelve point favorite, and Buffalo wins, then it's them. So uh, you know that that should be something that matters. I think, right? It should be something that matters. Adam, are you scared of the scenario where Buffalo plays a home conference uh, championship game and the wind is swirling and it's minus four degrees? 
Uh, no, I'll I'll be I'll be I'll, I'll be there. Let's let's we'll just be quiet. No, what I what I'm scared about is when I watch videos about how Josh McDaniels was videotaping the other team's practices <laughs> when he was in Denver. Like that's when you have Denver Broncos players today making a video. LaShawn McCoy was there. All these Brandon Marshall talking about like how McDaniels was videotaping other teams' practices. I'm like, wait a minute, what what is what is going on right now? Like that's what scares me. Stuff like that, but uh, but no, I'll be at the AFC Championship game for, for well, sure. Well, that's why you need to be happy about the cold here because nobody's sneaking anywhere outside <laughs> in these conditions. You're gonna stay home and watch the tape they already have. I I do think Devin Singletary is interesting. I mean, Diggs would be my favorite, and I agree with what's been said about Josh Allen. Devin Singletary is is interesting, and I I I wish I could know what the ownership rate is going to be because maybe it's twenty five percent just because. It's a top offense. He's been playing like a workhorse lately. Um, and there aren't that many running backs to like. If it's any lower than that, I think he becomes a, an even better play because he has gotten that workhorse role lately and because he's protected more than a lot of other running backs in these playoffs in terms of his role, where if the game isn't run friendly, he's still involved on the receiving front. Um, and if it is run friendly, he has been getting those goal line touches lately that have translated to more touchdowns. And, you know, maybe it's just uh, just the best single stretch of use in his career. And it's going to change, which I know is something Jared is more willing to bet on than I am. So, you know, if you think it's just recency bias on Singletary, throw him out and just make the decision easier and decide between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs to me. I think he's in that mix because I believe the way that they've been using him lately, even if the carry totals come down a little bit, they have totally changed the way that they used him over the past month. And I don't, I don't see why that's going to change in the playoffs. I think, I think there are pluses and minuses on both sides that make it really close this matchup. So Allen running, that's a weapon for the bills. Everybody knows it. He's already third all time in rushing touchdowns for the franchise. And they have two hall of famers at one and two. So everybody knows that. This is when you don't worry about injury. This is when you don't worry about holding things back. They've played so many easy teams. Now it's on. But, okay, so I'm going to run Josh Allen goal line, which I didn't do. Like those, They lost the first Patriot game because they would not – like they didn't run him in those spots, and they lost the game in the red zone. The, the fourth quarter, they were down there the whole, the whole game, and he never ran, and they lost. So this game is different. But in the game in Foxborough – Singletary was important. Like they threw the ball to Singletary a lot. That was sort of the the move by the Bills was we're going to dump the ball off. And he was the guy. And he's probably still the guy. His whole career before a month ago was he never got the ball around the end zone. And so I think that's the result here with him. Um, And the Patriots are not going to really worry about Devin Singletary, right? It's going to be Allen and Diggs. That's what they're known for. So I think you have... I think it ends up close. I think you have reasons to want to back him here. And even in Kansas City, what they did to win in Kansas City against a defense that was so bad was they ran Allen early in that game and they blew up the Chiefs. And then he did anything he wanted the rest of the night. So Mike, I you can't you can't waffle here. You, you gotta say, is Matt right where Singletary is the play, or am I right where Singletary is not the play? We need we need a decision from you. If it's <laughs> if it all else equal, you pick the guy that you think fewer people will own, and it might not be close. Oh yeah, he'll, he'll be lower owned than than Allen or Diggs. I but I I think Singletary will be higher owned than he should be just because of what he did, what he's done in the last in the last four weeks. 
I mean, real, real quick. I know, I know we got to move on probably, but yeah, I think the bills realized I'm, I'm on, I'm on Matt, Matt's side. They realized they, if you want to win a super bowl, if you want to go far in these playoffs, you need to be able to have a semblance of a ground game outside of Josh Allen to keep teams honest. And I think that's why they finally, you know, they made Moss inactive for like the last half of the year, a, a lot of games. And they really wanted to focus on Singletary, get him involved in the passing game, get involved in the running game. I think they're going to continue to to do that. JC so Jackson, JC Jackson, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Relevant. Can I just make one more point about the Bills? I, I looked into this. Their offense didn't really shift in terms of identity down the stretch. They went a bit run heavier. They were 65% pass in neutral situations through the first 14 weeks. They dropped to 61.5% pass over the last four. Even that mark, though, is second highest in the league. So the Singletary carries were more because they were just leading those games. They played a bunch of crappy teams over the final four weeks. So it's it, this is still one of you – know, it's right there with Kansas City as, as the pass-heaviest offense in the NFL, and I think that's going to continue in the playoffs. Yeah, that's where they, the carry share matters, though, being a workhorse as opposed to a strip back. Yeah, and, they, and, and like you guys have said, he, he has been involved in the passing game. They played a bunch of crappy teams over the last 18 weeks of the season. That includes Pittsburgh. But yeah, I, I think the di- the difference from early in the season is that he is really established. I can't imagine them going to Moss at all, sure you know, or or Brita. I mean, Brita, no. it, it it's up to him. So I kind of like what Adam said. I wouldn't be afraid of it, you know. If you're if you're doing two teams, maybe he's on one. But I think Allen is the story when it comes to the Bills in this tournament because he was the number one quarterback last year, yeah. number one quarterback in fantasy. It's a yes or no with Josh Allen, and I think I'm a no because I like Mahomes more or I like a little bit of a, you know, a different uh, play, whether that's Burrow who we'll get to or an NFC quarterback. If you, if you want to kind of almost soft fade the bills or even just project them to play two games, lose to Kansas city. That's where I think Singletary makes more sense. Cause I think in one game or even in two games, there's a chance that he's more valuable than Allen and Diggs. But if they play, you know, three or four, I think, you know, the, the cream kind of rises to the top and then Allen or Diggs would, would be the bill that you want on your team. If or the cream rises to the top, then that was the final month of Devin Singletary's season. <laughs> Bass makes every kick, and McDermott in pressure situations with bad weather loves to kick field goals. <laughs> there, yeah. there you Here's your it. soft fade. There it is. <laughs> it should be running conditions. I don't know about kicking conditions. We'll see. But we got to move on to the Bengals. Uh, you guys are getting a little too happy about this one. The Bengals are next up, and the thing that makes them tough is the last two times we saw the full offense play, they were ridiculous. I mean, 1,400 yards. Jamar Chase has not stopped reaching the end zone yet. So we get to this game. We have some attractive guys. We have recency bias working for them. We're all talking about how we like betting on the Bengals here. Jared, I don't know. Is there just as much of a chance that the Bengals get overrated right here and maybe the move is to not get so excited about them? I think Cincinnati is overrated by the public now in general. That 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 doesn't mean I'm going to fade them here because I do think they'll likely beat the Raiders and I think they have a good shot just, just because it's Tennessee in round two. That's why I think they have a chance to go to the AFC Championship. If they had to play Buffalo or Kansas City, I, I wouldn't get, you know, I wouldn't give them as good a chance. I'm fading Cincinnati all of a sudden becoming this pass heavy offense. I think that was, you know, in week 16, it was Baltimore. And we talked about, you know, everyone has been passing against Baltimore because the secondary is all sorts of banged up. And then in week 17, they, you know, in that chiefs game, they fell behind. They they fell behind 14 or 17 zip. Right. I mean that, you know, that's why they ended up having to air it out. So 
you know, maybe they lean a bit more towards the past than they did you know, over the first you know 15 weeks of the season. But I don't think they're with Buffalo and Kansas City at you know that level of, of pass happiness. Jared, I should let you know real quick that uh, Alpha 1102 said via YouTube that oh, you man. are the goat. The um, goat. I like with to – With oh, on there? Come on. Then he, then he <laughs> said go Pats after that, uh, Adam. So I guess we got to mute him now. Um, I like to tell my kids that back when I was younger, the goat was the person who blew the game, not the person who was the greatest of all time. And frankly, I think that this phrase is kind of overused at this point. Not, right. not against Jared. I'm in I, favor I of either, yeah. Jared, but <laughs> yeah, you got to capitalize it, or else it means the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. All right, so getting back to these Bengals, um, Adam, I guess whether you believe in the Bengals to go far or not, it's probably too high upside an offense to fade it, even to the point of playing a kicker or defense. So, I mean, looking at it, there's Jamar Chase, there's T Higgins, there's Joe Mixon, there's Joe Burrow. Where are you starting your path to the decision? Yeah, definitely not fading them. A uh, real kind of sexy pick to get to, to, to go, to, to move through, through these playoffs. Um, I have a lot of Mixon in, in my builds, uh, but I got to tell you, you know, watching, seeing these kind of uh, ownership projections, if Burrow's really going to be like the fourth owned Bengal on this team, like it's going to be hard too. like Mahomes is, is my favorite, but Burrow is the fourth highest projected. And I think they go as, as if they're going to travel deep in this tournament, it's going to be, it's going to be Burrow and they're in the receivers and them throwing the ball. You know, they get the Raiders, the first game who have a good, who do have a good pass defense, but you know, if this Bengals team's clicking with all the receivers, all the weapons they have, I don't think the Raiders can really slow them down. And then they get the Titans and then they might get the chiefs, you know, or the bills in a shootout. Like they could, you know, even if they only get to the AFC championship game, they could have three absolute shootouts. So definitely not fading or soft fading them. I do have a lot of mixing, but I certainly could see building around Joe, Joe Burrow and then loading up on all, all the other positions. Cause he's so low owned. I did hear you putting the Chiefs into the AFC title game ahead of the Bills there, by the way. Mike, what are your thoughts on the Bengals? I love it. I mean, I think the question is, is everybody going to do it? And I think Mahomes and, and even Allen are so impressive and popular that it's got to be a no. So if you want to ride with them and have them beating a pretty bad team in the Raiders minus 65 point differential for the season. People are talking about their win Sunday. Like the chargers are good. The chargers were never good either. So I've got the Bengals at home. Oh, hi. My wife is home. You want to come on? <laughs> Thumbs down. Get her in here. Okay. Well, <laughs> she's she has her own podcast on fantasy football that airs at 1230 <laughs> Eastern, 1130 central every night. Um, the, it's a great matchup for them. Round one. It's Tennessee. Come on. Like you can easily do it. And to pick the to pick Burrow is to sort of bet against Mahomes and Allen, which I think most people won't want to do. So yes, the three game point that was Allen last year. You know that was three games, and the second game was a, you know, not much offensively, and that was eighty points. You know Brady topped that by a lot, but no one else did. Maybe Mahomes by one in last year's tournament. I I, I love the Burrow idea, and and you guys tell me if this is the right point. The next option on Cincinnati is really splintered. I mean, Mixon, he, probably not Boyd, but certainly Chase and Higgins. Like, you have a split there. You have a, I think that this is a Dallas situation where you have a tough time deciding. So I think Burrow works. You know, you, you need two wins, but 
Raiders and Titans, probably. Yeah. Okay. Jared, to me, uh, you definitely need Burrow to get to the AFC title game if you're yep. choosing him at quarterback. Do you need him to get to the Super Bowl maybe just because if he doesn't, then it's probably either Mahomes or Josh Allen pumping up those teams? No, I don't think so because I think three games of Burrow can be close enough to four games of the other two guys. And it's not, you know, playing Burrow is not fading the Chiefs and Bills because there are really good skill position guys on those teams. You play Diggs and you play Kelsey or Hill. You know, that, that could definitely work out. Again, I do think you need three games of Burrow, but I think that's definitely possible. Yeah, and I that's why I was pointing out the target hog wide receivers earlier because I think that you can absorb a lot of the passing production from those other guys. You know, Stefan Diggs for Josh Allen, either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey for Patrick Mahomes. So I agree, you're not full fading the Chiefs or Bills by taking the Bengals, but you do need Joe Burrow to get into the AFC title game. So if you want to play Burrow, I think you have to believe that that's a, a real possibility for the Bengals to make it that far. Now, to your point, Mike, the other guys, if you're not playing Joe Burrow, and most people are not, because he's probably not going to be above 12% owned in this tournament. So most people are going to be choosing between Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Joe Mixon. And part of that comes down to expected ownership rate. I would bet that it's Jamar Chase as the highest owned among these guys. It very well could be close, though, between him and Joe Mixon. It could be Joe Mixon ahead of him just because of the lack of attractive running back options. I started out looking at Joe Mixon as a primary running back option for me. And then I was kind of looking at his numbers today and noticing that he really hasn't run very efficiently lately. 3.35 yards per carry over his final five games, 1.46 yards after contact per attempt over that span. According to pro football reference, that's down about a half a yard from his first 11 games of the season, actually a little bit more than half a yard. He also had one broken tackle over the past five games versus 19 over his first 11. Now, maybe it's just a rough patch and it doesn't signal him wearing down, but Mike, does that, I don't know. Does that make you any more wary of playing Joe Mixon as opposed to the receivers here? Maybe a little bit. You know, he had a, Jared's the Joe Mixon. Uh, yeah. You, you can't, you we know, can't talk I, bad about Joe Mixon on this podcast. No, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do, I don't want to say anything about Joe Mixon with Jared in the room. <laughs> You know, I know he missed that best ball draft last year. I, I don't know. He probably had a good excuse and I won, but I, I don't really want to say anything about him. He's the expert. You know, there was a stretch of the year. I mean, Jared was at most of the season when P Ryan played on third downs. And then this yeah. last game, he didn't play except for special teams. He didn't play at all, which was kind of weird for a game that Burrow sat. Well, Mixon, you know, that was, am I, am I right there? Like, was that this week? What, what happened in Cleveland? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there was no Burrow. There was no T. Higgins. Jamar Chase played a little bit, and P. Ryan. I don't P. Ryan. P. Ryan was active, but didn't get a touch on offense. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's clearly a valued part of that offense. Like you said, Mike, he has been playing on passing downs. I have no idea why, but he has been. So you got to expect that to continue. Mixon's target volume has been all over the map all season. He, you know, he was lucky in the touchdown department. You know, that a lot of his fantasy points came from touchdowns this season. Um, so that, that's kind of there. And, and I think you know he's coming off the COVID list. I think that's the other risk with Mixon. We've seen guys struggle in their first game off the COVID list. Um, so those are the marks against him. He still is my favorite Bengal, though. Um, and we're just looking at the running backs in the playoffs. Only Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette scored more fantasy points per game than Joe Mixon. And again, I think, I, I don't know, I'll, we'll see how the ownership shakes out, but I do think most people now you know, think of Cincinnati as a super pass heavy offense. And I'm not sure that's the case. Yeah. So, you know, Mixon is kind of a way 
to make that bet that they're going to you know go back to being at least a, a balanced offense. What what's best against the Raiders? Like what what kind what would what should be the game plan? Running back. Uh, is it, it? Yep. Yeah. Well, by, by fantasy points allowed, Vegas is thirtieth against running backs. They're actually fifth against wide receivers. It's a great spot for Mixon. I think the two things that I have about him are one, he is going to be popular, especially among running backs. He might uh, overtake Jamar Chase as the top Bengal owned here. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And it, it could be around, you know, 35, 40%. Not that that's necessarily differentiating uh, in terms of what it does to your plans, but you know, it's at least worth factoring in. The other thing is if you take one of the wide receivers, I think then you are, cushioning yourself against the Bengals possibly losing this game, which I think we all have all acknowledged. It's still a five and a half point line in favor of Cincinnati, but that has come down a point from where it started. So it's a possibility that they lose this game to the Raiders. If you take a wide receiver, I think that you're cushioned against that because if they're trailing, they're going to throw a lot and you're not actually giving up upside because, you know, even if the Bengals plan to run more than they have recently, they're still going to throw the ball plenty and there's still plenty of upside to Chase and Higgins in this game and in whatever game that they lose in down the road. So I have shifted, I think, from Mixon being my first Bengal in to Higgins being my favorite because when you look at those receivers, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are completely even in targets in their 14 games together this year, 110 targets exactly for each of them. Chase is going to be higher owned. I don't know by how much, could be twice as much after his huge finish to the season. Uh, just factoring in any difference there, I would rather lean toward Higgins. Totally with you there. I think Higgins is the wide receiver play just based on ownership. I think it's Higgins and Chase and value is much closer than the ownership is going to reflect. Now that that's had the, the, the big news of the day. was that Higgins was added to the injury report and limited in practice with a foot injury. So, you know, that's the, the midweek downgrades are never good. So we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll know. Um, that's a Saturday game, so we'll get the final injury report. But if there's any, if there's any, you know, question about Higgins, I think you have to you have to get off him. He's the first game. Yeah, so I'll be watching that. But if it's the kind of thing where they're like, yeah, we think he's going to play, it could bring down his ownership even further. Maybe he gets down sure. lower. One more point on the Bengals: Are we still on the home AFC teams? Because so Matt, before we started, Matt's like, do you guys have a time limit? I feel like Matt knew he was going we're going super long here right like adam have we ever had a show longer than this already like in our history no i we're we're just getting into it too i'm ready i love this that's the thing this this this, this contest seems so it seems so simple at first glance but then the more you sit down and start to think about everything there's a lot of different angles to play well listen some shows did are doing five shows on this all all week long we're doing one four hour marathon mega show yeah, we'll put five shows into one big night. And let's go to the other side of that Bengals-Raiders game. And I guess, Jared, what are you doing here? Is it going to be Daniel Carlson, or are you given any thought to playing one of their offensive players? Yeah, like my my first pass-through, just like gut-feeling Monday morning lineup had Carlson here. But, man, I think he's going to be the chalk kicker, and I don't want to play the chalk kicker. So I'm kind of leaning towards Waller now. Um, you know, tight end premium, so Waller gets the bump. He returned last week from the knee and the back, and he was on the COVID list. He had a lot of issues. Um, Just two catches for 22 yards in that game versus the Chargers. But he had nine targets. And Derek Carr said something about their chemistry just being off in their first game back. So 
Yeah, I still think Waller has that upside that had him getting drafted in, in the first round of FPC drafts this summer. And we were talking about one game. You know, I think he, he could easily be the Raider you have to have and maybe just the guy you have to have if he goes, you know, seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. I started out liking Josh Jacobs as the position player here. I you know mentioned I was watching the ship chasing stream and Pat Corrine had Josh Jacobs as the highest owned Raider, actually the highest owned Raider behind fading them. So more teams fading them, but if they're playing Jacobs, he had him around 22%. So that makes me a little bit more hesitant. So what I like about Jacobs is that if the Raiders do win, then it's a differentiator getting him into the next round, like Nick Chubb with the Browns last year against the Steelers. And even if they lose this game, he's going to be involved. He has averaged 5.3 catches per game in losses on the season. So I don't think Josh Jacobs is going to be totally left out, even if they lose this game to the Bengals. We'll see what happens there. But the higher ownership and seeing especially the low numbers on those pass catchers makes me want to consider the pass catchers um, even a little bit more. And Jared, I'm with you on considering – Darren Waller, especially because he's low. I thought that he would be higher because he's a tight end and because Mm -hmm. it's a tight end premium scoring system. I'm not really sure what to make of the whole situation though, because, you know, obviously if a tight end goes off here, it helps more than a receiver going off because of the one and a half points per reception. Lots of people drafted Darren Waller in the first round in FFPC this year though, and he crushed them. So You'd like to think that serious fantasy players can get over that and treat it like a new season, but we're all human. There are going to be a lot of people that are like, I'm not playing Darren Waller after what he did to me this season. People don't like Josh Jacobs though either. So I, I don't know. I would not be surprised if Waller comes in higher own than Josh Jacobs. I, I think Jacobs is still the play if you're projecting a Raiders win. I, I still think you want Vegas to win if you're going to get a big Jacobs game. He he's been involved in the passing game. We've seen them work in Jalen Richard more now though. They ran the same exact number of routes in that game against the Chargers, Richard and Jacobs did. So I do think Jacobs' role in the passing game is shrinking a bit. So again, if you think Vegas is going to win, then you know Jacobs probably gets 20, 25 touches and he's the guy you want. But if you're projecting a Bengals win, I think it's either Waller or a fade. I think Jacobs is the play if you're not sure who wins this game. If you think the Bengals are going to win, then you should probably go for a pass catcher. But if you're like, nah, I don't know, this could go either way, then yep. take Josh Jacobs because, you know, he's not going to be too highly owned. Even if he's tops among Raiders position players, he's, he's going to be you know, like 20, 25 at the highest probably. Two points for me would be one, was my mic on? I'm sorry. I thought I muted it, but my, my wife <laughs> needed to help me plug the computer in. So I'm sorry if that happened. Uh, I'm, I'm new with this. two is you made the point about like what the game how the game goes you know like if Cincinnati is going to win this game then you avoid the Raiders I had a text you guys we were talking as a group last couple of days about different Raiders players and I I wrote out like the super long text about Zay Jones because like the targets have been massive for Zay Jones and then I looked at his touchdowns and he had one in week one and then nothing so I erased it as the stat like projection guy, I'm supposed to tell you that, you know, that's going to regress. If a guy's catching that many balls and getting that many targets, he's going to score, start scoring touchdowns. So I don't know. That's, that's too like off the, off the wall for me, Zay Jones. But I mean, he, he, he's out targeted Hunter Renfro over the last four or five games. So, I mean, does he get red zone targets or end zone targets that I, I don't know. I'd have to look. I don't, I don't remember any, like 
he, he doesn't seem like that. Uh, but he made the key catch in that last drive to win the game. So there's like, you know, yeah. eight or nine per game the last month. Was he but, the one was he the one who drew that sixty-yard pass interference? Was that was it? Was that Jay, Zay Jones? It was. Yep. In, in and if he home. if Carr doesn't make that pass on third and whatever on the last drive, they punt, and the Chargers are coming to Buffalo, and the Raiders are going to Kansas City. Oh. Like it, that'd be, that'd be play, so much. That'd be so much more fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing about Darren Waller though, and I I, I like I prefer Waller over Jacobs because I do think the Bengals are going to win. But uh, Cincinnati's 26th against against tight ends too, so he has a chance to really smash. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think he's injured, right? I mean, there there is a chance that they come out to you know what he's getting his 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 18 targets that he's once or twice a year, you know, in in a game and absolutely <laughs> blows up for 40 in a win or, or a loss. So if if I'm if I'm picking a Raiders position guy, I'm I'm I'm, I'm taking Waller. Yeah, the, the the playing time and the volume was there in his first game back against the Chargers. You know, the, the production just didn't come. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess I will keep an eye on other ownership projections as we get toward the weekend. But if it's low, Waller and, and last year only two tight ends carried more than ten and a half percent ownership. It was a crappy group of tight ends, but you know it was only two of them up in that range. So you know I'll try to gauge that as we head toward the weekend. But if he's going to be under twenty percent, he's going to be pretty attractive. And I, I, I was, I was noticing Hunter Renfro being projected at 2% in Pat Crane's numbers. And I mean, the guy finished top 12 in PPR scoring for the season. So that's just an undervalue there. But considering all the factors, I don't think that I could go against Darren Waller in tight end premium to play Renfro in my lineup here. By the way, Waller made some interesting comments about his personal life when he was out of the lineup. And I, I do not want to say anything here that makes me want to sort of turn that into a fantasy football decision. But um, my view on the Raiders is really like from the beginning of the show, soft fade at best. If that means Carlson is the most popular kicker, so be it. Then replace him with Boswell or Elliott and leave him out. I, I, don't, I don't want to be on the Raiders because I do want to be on the Bengals for reasons that have been already uh, stated. Yeah. But I, I love Waller. Yep. He is going to be one of the most interesting players to talk about next year because he's very good, and this year just didn't fall right for him after the first half of the opener. And for what it's <laughs> worth, if we're talking about the most popular kicker and he's 35% owned, that's not going to kill anybody to have a 35% owned kicker that's in a pretty decent spot to score points and has done well for fantasy owners this year. Go Darren Waller. Not the, Not in this for me. All right, so we're finishing up the AFC now. We kind of talked about these teams as fades. So, Adam, Patriots, Steelers, is there any way that you're playing anybody from either of these teams? Not Steelers. Uh, I think I've got, like, some Boswell and maybe some some defense. But, like, um, the Patriots are interesting again. The, the problem with the Patriots is just nobody to play. Like, even if they win, who, you know, Damian Harris can have, what, 80 yards on a score and no catches. Like, it's it's – that that's the problem that I have with 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 New England. Even if they get a win, and even in a, in a loss, it's very hard to find teams. Like there's lots of teams like Vegas could lose and put up a ton of points. New England's not going to uh, lose and put put up a ton of points. So uh, I find myself fading them a lot too. Soft fades, kicker defense, but yeah, not not much to talk about uh, there. Maybe maybe Hunter Henry if you want to get absolutely crazy, but uh, I'm 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 fading them too. 
Yeah, for me, Hunter Henry's out because they're opening with a bad matchup against the Bills. So I don't expect them to win, and I don't think he's a good bet for numbers in either case. I think, Mike, the the case for me with Damian Harris is if they win, and it is just a four-point line, so it's doable, if they win, it's probably on a lot of Damian Harris. Yeah. He has scored a touchdown in every game except one since week four that he played in, of course. Like he missed when he missed, Stevenson scored. He has four touchdowns against the Bills in two games. Do they really intend to win this game another way when it's zero degrees? Like they're going to think they are going to outmuscle Buffalo like other teams in, and they have done. And that is Damian Harris. I think he's healthy. What happened last week was interesting because he was iffy health wise. Then Stevenson got a head injury right away in that game, and Harris played it until the second half. I mean, they were down all day, but it was still Harris and he scored anyway. So I think he's good. I mean, I do not want to fade the Patriots at plus four and running back is thin. I want to be on Damian Harris. Uh, Jared, what about you? To me, you play Harris. If you think New England's going to win, if not, they're uh, at least a soft fade for me. And I honestly wouldn't even play folk just considering the conditions that you know we're, we're going to get in that game on Saturday. so for me it's harris if you think they're going to win maybe patriots d if not and then yeah i'm not going to play any steelers i mean you i think you can make a case for Najee harris and deontay johnson just because they have been you know good fantasy producers this season i think they both averaged like 17 fantasy points per game but um there's you know there's just no upside for them to advance beyond that beyond round one um so the steelers are, are very likely going to be a, a full fade for me New England against Tennessee. What does that smell like? <laughs> I can't. I can't say what it New smells Ma- like. It's a family program. What's New the England line? smell? New England. <laughs> I mean, New England smells like Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, no matter who they face. If New England wins, like okay, plus four. If they win and Pittsburgh loses, they go to Tennessee. Are they more than a three and a half point underdog? Are they a bigger underdog at Tennessee than they are at Buffalo? Yeah when they've already beaten Buffalo for the second time? No. If you think New England's going to win, I think you should play Damian Harris. Then even if if you think it's a toss-up, you probably want to play Damian Harris. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's a little bit softer than if you think they're going to win. I think if you think there's a chance they can win, Damian Harris is definitely in your plans because of the dearth of attractive running backs, and especially in trying to differentiate some. I don't think that Damian Harris is going to be sneaky where he's – less than 20%, but even at 20 to 25%, I would rather play Damian Harris than Derrick Henry at, you know, 50 plus percent, because I think that the most likely outlook for both of them is not amazing. But if I get 50 yards and a touchdown from each of those players, I would much rather have it from Damian Harris than from Derrick Henry. Adam is not here to talk about New England. He will not. <laughs> no, I just – I mean, I'm, I'm. if you're playing Damian Harris, to me, if you're going to play Damian Harris, it's fine. You're plus four. Awesome. I, I completely agree. This is a perfect scenario for the Patriots. But if I'm playing Damian Harris, I'm fading the Bills. Like, I want – you know what I mean? Like, that's the route I'm, 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 I'm going to go. And I don't have a problem doing you, that Yeah. So – you could do that and go straight chalk at every other position, and you're going to be different enough. Exactly. Where, you know, if if yep. New England does beat Buffalo, you're going to be in good shape. But don't, don't you want to not... go ahead, Mike? Sorry, Matt. Like, don't you want to go by the lines? Like, the three six in each conference is pretty close, but there's that goes back to what we talked about with the Bills. Like, there's this just this popularity, this romance with them 
fantasy wise, like what's the difference? The, the total is 45. It's not 35 in the Patriot Bills game. And they know the weather. So, I mean, that, that team was here in Buffalo. We've heard about how the Bills were the only team in the league to be top five in offense and defense. The Patriots were top six in both. New England also seem they they seem to be limping into the playoffs to me. I don't think Mac Jones can beat the Bills. I mean, you know, so if they jump out to a lead, I think New England's in trouble. I don't know. I I like Buffalo. If I can get you know, if I can get Buffalo minus minus three and a half, I'll probably be on that. You, you can't. It's, it's, though, it's, huh? it's right here. You can't. It's right here. I can show you how. Yeah, I saw it. At four, I saw it at four when I when I looked uh, earlier today. Oh, but we'll, we'll right. see. I don't know, Jared. It seems like if you're not willing to bet the Bills at four, then maybe you should consider Damian Harris a little bit more strongly. Hey, three and a half, four. That's a big. That's a big difference, you know. That's that's what we're doing here, that, right? We're trying to figure out. Like I'm sort of the guy professionally who says this is why you have to not do that or <laughs> want to think about not doing that. That's sort of how I see myself in this uh, in this realm. Oh, that's great. That, that, that's why this is going to be a two and a half hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You know, let me get my wife back down here. I'll turn the mic <laughs> off this time. Speaking of which, we have the entire NFC to get to now, though. So we <laughs> should start out with the number one seed because I'm not playing any Steelers on any teams here uh, other than kicker or defense. Packers, however, are going to be on every team. And it's just a matter of who you're playing. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Uh, Jared, what's the start of your Packers planning? It would be really hard for me to get off Devontae Adams. Um, you know, with, with the running backs, it's a committee. You know, I prefer Aaron Jones, but it's a committee. A.J. Dillon is going to be involved. Even looking at Adams and Rodgers, the, the gap between them in scoring is much smaller than it is with some of these other guys. So Adams averaged two fewer points per game than Aaron Rodgers this season. You know, the gap between Mahomes and Kelsey was five and a half. Uh, Mahomes and Tyreek Hill was seven. Stephon Diggs averaged 10 fewer points than, than Josh Allen. Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans averaged 10 fewer points than Tom Brady. So, you know, you're just – you're soaking up so much of Rodgers' production with Devonta Adams. Um, I, I just think that, you know, that's the route I'm going to go. You have to hope for something weird to happen for, you know, Rodgers to be a better play than, than Devonta. Yeah, and especially uh, you're getting Aaron Rodgers at most for three games and you're taking him over the chance of Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Dak Prescott or Tom Brady for four games. So you have to really like Aaron Rodgers' chances. And I agree with you. Devontae Adams is the biggest target hog among the receivers we talked about here. So more so even than the other quarterbacks, you can soak up a lot of what he's going to do and, you know, combat any Aaron Rodgers lineups by having Devontae Adams. Uh, Adam, do your starting thoughts on the Packers differ any from that? No, I, I, Adams is kind of the, the, the chalk guy. The only one thing that makes me nervous is if, if the Rams do make it through him, him getting Jalen Ramsey shadow coverage. But again, you know, with the committee in the backfield in for the Packers, like you just don't feel comfortable with, with the running backs either. So Adams is, is, is my, my chalk guy there. And I think it's going to be, he might even be one of the highest owned players in the whole, the whole thing. I think he'll be combating Cooper cup to be the highest owned player at any position. Mike, does that, make you lean any more toward either of the errands here? No. In fact, if you take out Jared, if you take out the Jordan Love game, it's even tighter. Mm. I was talking to a friend yep. about Rodgers versus Adams, and it like this is a key thing, I think, for understanding this tournament, which I might be about halfway toward doing, <laughs> where you have Rodgers and Adams, like, well, I want the Super Bowl quarterback. Well, 
Devontae Adams outscored Aaron Rodgers in PPR like for the season. So how is that possible, right? So that's with Lazard and all the other attributes, Aaron Jones, the Packers. So I, I, I feel like you can, just like from the beginning of the show when it came to fades, you can find other diversity. There's enough teams where it's broken up. We'll get to Dallas uh, or Tampa for this. I, I'm going to take Devontae Adams and walk quietly to the next hole. Yeah, I think if you're not playing Adams, you should play Aaron Jones probably and just hope. 70% of the Packers touchdowns go to Aaron Jones. Yeah, I think yep. that's the way to fade this team. I wouldn't have no Packers in my lineup, but if you don't think the Packers are going to the Super Bowl, play Aaron Jones and take a shot that he just happens to get touchdown luck, which we know Aaron Jones is capable of doing. One final point to Devontae Adams' domination. He, in games that he and Aaron Rodgers played together this year, he got 30% of Aaron Rodgers' completions, 31.4% of the pass attempts, 38.4% of the yards and 31.4% of the touchdowns. So a gigantic chunk of what Aaron Rodgers is going to do in any of these games, the bucks, the number two seed, and they're not getting disrespected like the Titans, but they feel a little bit overlooked in all the talk about both sides here. So we've got the bucks facing the Eagles in the early game on Sunday. If they win that one, they would then host either the Cowboys if they win or the winner of Rams Cardinals if the Cowboys don't beat San Francisco. Mike, what's your initial thoughts on Tampa Bay's chances? Or, or I, I'm sorry, not their chances so much as who you're playing from this team. I have a tough time seeing them win the Super Bowl again or even make the Super Bowl again. I mean, I was not on them last year and they had to win three road games and they did it. I mean, you have Fournette, who is very likable in a thin running back world where he's back from injury. They Come on, like that injury right away was not a month, but they had the they they took the luxury. They won the Super Bowl last year. They've got other good players. You know what? Sit down. We have Ronald Jones. So he should be fine. Godwin and Brown are gone. Evans is great anyway. That makes Evans even better and Fournette even also better. Gronkowski, all three of those guys, there are good arguments. I would not be on Brady, but when it comes to the other three, I'm open to anything. Adam, where are you at on the Bucks? Yeah, I really like like Gronk uh, in this. You know, they they played the Eagles. The Eagles have a thirty first ranked defense against tight ends as far as giving up fantasy points. Uh, um, you know, no no AB, no Godwin. You know, we don't have to talk about uh, you know how much how much Brady loves him there. So Gronk's the guy I've been using the most in this format. And if I don't go Gronk, I go uh, Leonard Fournette because again, the lack of quality running backs in this competition, but I just, I just find myself not being able to get off to get off Gronk there. And I think with so many good tight ends in this format that I, I think maybe Gronk might get over overlooked Evans Evans is, is, is fine too. Um, I know Philly's got a really good defense against receivers. I know it's just one matchup. And we expect him to win, but um, I could see, I, I could see Gronk still being, being the man there. Jared, has Leonard Fournette been officially activated off IR yet? Because I was just checking the injury report to see about his Wednesday participation, and I, I didn't see his name listed at all. Is he just good to go? He he was designated to return um, either today or yesterday, which he does not need to be on the injury report until he's activated. So that, that might not come until Saturday. But um, I expect him, like, like Mike said, it does seem like they played this injury safe. So I think he's going to be back to 100%. He, he's my buck. Um, you know, I just – I got to ride with him one more time this season. He was so good to me during the regular season. Could have been better if he hadn't, you know, gotten gotten hurt late. But um, you know, Fournette just flat out outscored Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans in fantasy points per game by about two points. And you know, running back is pretty weak. So 
you know, even if Fournette is projected to be the, the chalkiest buck, which I think makes sense, um, he's, he's still going to be my guy here. This can be short. Do we care about Gio Bernard? He's back. Nope. Nope. No, okay. he was he, no. he was there most of the season. Right. The only thing that scares me about Fournette is the hamstring. And I, you know, I know that they sat him down and we're expecting him to be good to go. I would love to be able to get practice reports here, but I'm worried about the hamstring being, you know, just being something that he could tweak at any point, especially when I have to play him over Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans. And (laughs) those guys, those guys aren't necessarily the models of health either, though. I know. I mean, it's it's certainly <laughs> an issue for everybody. But Mike Evans played through his. Well, he did he leave the last game early with an injury, or did he play after um, coming back from that? He can't. He came back. It was like an elbow. I think he. I think it was like a funny bone issue. Actually, he, and the he week came before, back, so fine. the week before. Sorry, Jared. Like he wasn't going to play at all, and he did great. The whole thing might rely on Evans. You know, for the Bucks, I don't think Philadelphia can really score, but. If they're going to play Dallas or the Rams or even Arizona, you know, Evans means everything. They're not getting Godwin or Brown back. Yeah, it's tough to read the ownership, what we should expect here as well, because, you know, last year was just a totally different Bucks group. They had Chris Godwin. They had Antonio Brown. Those guys are obviously out at this point. <laughs> Ronald Jones was the top running back for them last year heading in. He, of course, got hurt oh. in the pregame, and that's why we got playoff Leonard Fournette. He was so Fournette was owned on nine of more than six thousand rosters in this tournament last year to do the stuff that he did. I think that that's going to drive that ownership up. I do think that he's going to easily be the highest owned buck, and that just that makes Evans and Gronk more attractive to me. And I think that Gronk is going to be my lead buck, like Adam said too, especially because he opens up with one of the best tight end matchups in the league in the Eagles. So. I don't think that the Bucks have a real chance of losing this game. I don't like them well beyond that because they have so many injuries on both sides of the ball. I think I'm just taking Gronk and enjoying the first round matchup and then betting on, you know, the pass happy game script beyond that at some point. What about you, Adam? Yeah, the the whether they get the Cowboys or, or the, the Niners, it's a it's 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 a good matchup um for Hall of Famer Mike Evans. Um maybe not so much oh. for Maybe not so much for Gronk against the Niners, but uh, but they're going to have to f- force it to him because you know it's a very narrow uh, passing tree now with with AB and Godwin out. So, uh, but yeah, Gronk's probably going to be my my, my lead well, buck. And if the Niners win, if the Niners win, they would play Green Bay, and then in that case, Tampa Bay would play winner of Rams and Cardinals. Okay. Yep. The Rams would be the better matchup for Gronk's case there, but I you know can't get too far into that. So. I definitely agree, Jared, that Fournette is well within the mix. I think all things being equal and considering the other running backs at play, he would be my top pick. I think the ownership and the hamstring makes me a little bit more hesitant. So Gronk is my favorite, but I think you're mixing all those guys if you're doing multiple lineups. It is a little unfortunate that we won't get an injury report on Fournette. You know, we won't get to see that full practice, but um, it, like I said, it does seem like they played this safe with him and, you know, it'll have been a month since he, he went down. So I, I think it'll be fine. And the other side of that is Bruce Arians tends to be more open with his, you know, words on where guys are at than most coaches. So we should hear from him at least what the expectation is for Leonard Fournette ahead of Sunday's game. And, you know, before, like when they have to give the final injury report Friday ahead of the Sunday games. Yeah. Well, he said, Arians said Monday that he expects Fournette to play. You know, he didn't, he didn't say full go or hundred percent or anything, but he, he did say he expects Fournette to play. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we had Alex on the show last night. I wonder if next year we we pu- push for the ability to change because now that there's Monday night playoff games, like like if you start a player from a from any like if the game hasn't started yet, you should be able to put in a player from that game. Like especially with injury reports not coming out yet and COVID and all that stuff, it might not be a bad idea to allow that fle- flexibility to kind of swap. Now, could you do that for the bye week teams? Could you Ooh. wait till the following week? Why not? Why not? That had a little more game that theory would, to it, right? That, that, that'd be what? fun. Throw it out there. I bet I know what the answer is going to be, but it's worth <laughs> proposing at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's invite chaos into our contest. That sounds like what's, what game runners want to do. <laughs> for this show, we'll move on to the Cowboys and see if there's some chaos in that offense. So Cowboys play the 49ers midday Sunday. It's the middle of the three-game slate in that one. They're just three-point favorites there, and it's held that way all week it started there hasn't moved in either direction if dallas wins that game they'd head to tampa barring an eagles upset and we have lots of guys to look at and choose from here and i think the wealth of options here jared has me leaning toward a particular favorite you know we've got cd lamb we've got amari cooper we've got dalton schultz we've got running backs that you can consider the fact that it keeps me from having to choose among those guys is part of why I like Dak Prescott here. And the other part of that is I think there's a pretty decent chance that this team makes it out of the NFC. I know that right. they don't have the top chance and the Bucks are favored ahead of them in terms of making it to the Super Bowl. But Dallas is ahead of Cincinnati on the other side at a similar level. So there's a 13% chance, I think, according to what's the number? There you go. 538. I was about to put the numbers in the wrong order. They gave them about a 13% chance to make the Super Bowl, which is solid for me for a number three seed. And if they do, they're probably throwing the ball plenty. I really like Dak Prescott as like a sneakier QB player. Yeah. So behind the Chiefs and Bills, I'd, I'd put Dallas slightly ahead of Tampa as far as the teams most likely to play four games. And like, and like you said, uh, Dallas is such a spread the wealth offense and it does make Dak interesting. My concern playing Dak is you're not playing Allen or Mahomes who, you know, were clearly better fantasy producers this season. But I mean, like we said before too, I mean, there are other solid options on Kansas city and Buffalo. So you can play Dak Prescott and then get Stefan Diggs and, you know, one of the, the chief studs. So I, to me, Dak is definitely in play for your Cowboys pick. And then certainly if you get Dak and Stefan Diggs or Dak and Tyreek Hill, or Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl together, I mean, that's better than having just one of the other quarterbacks in that game. Mike, what are your opening thoughts on the Cowboys? Because I I think that you might be more willing to back away from this team than the rest of us. I'm so tied up about this game and this team. Dallas is the second best point differential team in the NFL. I love that. I thought their Super Bowl odds all year were very favorable. But, like, what's their best win? at the Chargers in September. I don't even know what their best win is. They, they beat, they might be like sort of the NFC Bills. You know, they beat the bad teams by a lot. Prescott looked so good against the Eagles two weeks before that. He looked so good against Washington in between. He looked terrible against Arizona. I don't know. The, the line is three. I said at the beginning of the show, it reminded me of Rams Seattle last year, where I think a lot of people were sort of befuddled by that. Like why, are they not a bigger favorite, but they are the three seed. That's not great. They want a weak division and they just don't have quality wins. So I think for this tournament, a San Francisco team with a lot to like might be the better move. 
Um, you know, in terms of Dallas, there's just a lot of guys you could pick. The Prescott, I, I, I've always been a Prescott fan, and there's a lot, you know, of upside with him in this. But I can't figure out what to do with Dallas. And I said at the beginning I would want to fade who I think will lose this game, but I still haven't figured out who that is. Well, so maybe that's a vote in favor of playing one skill guy from each side if it, if you're that torn on it. Because, I, you know, the, the three-point line is interesting. There are people who are sure that both sides of that line are the way to go. So it seems like it's an appropriate line just by people's expectations for that game. I think that Dallas is better than that line says they are. They could lose the game. I wouldn't be shocked, but I think that they're better. They come in as the number one team in overall DVOA combining offense and defense, sixth on offense, second on defense. And in that vein, they remind me of last year's Bucks, who entered the playoffs as a five seed as a wild card. So, you know, a little bit more of an outsider in terms of a Super Bowl contender than Dallas is right now. But similarly, they were number two in overall DVOA. They were top five in both offense and defense. Dallas has just been, you know, good. I They have some bad losses and maybe uh, not as many good wins as you'd like. But, I mean, look at every team in this whole tournament. You can point to every single team and say, well, what happened to them there? You know, Tennessee even blew out Kansas City, beat Buffalo, lost to Houston. Uh, I mean, every team here has pockmarks. So I, I'm I'm willing to overlook the, the, the marks on Dallas and, you know, maybe use some of the uh, – some of the proactive to clear them up. So very, very good point. I want to say with four minutes and 10 seconds left at home in a game against Denver, they were down 30 to nothing, but you know, yes, you're right. There's, there's no clear cut favorite here. Who is the play on Denver then? If it's not Prescott, there's a lamb argument. There's a Cooper who is sort of unloved who, who loves Amari Cooper anymore. <laughs> There's Schultz, but I, yeah. Jarwin is there, and his numbers came down. It's Dalton Schultz. There's Zeke, but there's Pollard. Is anybody going to play Pollard? That would be that would be sexy if anybody wanted to play Tony Pollard in this thing. Like, what do you do with Dallas if not Prescott? Anybody Jared, uh, just like damn, just sort of roll with it, get what you yeah. get. So, to me, so to me, it's Amari Cooper. To me, it's Amari Cooper because Mike, like you said, no, no one likes Amari Cooper anymore. And, you know, he finished this season point behind C.D. Lamb in fantasy points per game. But Amari Cooper over the last five weeks, 37 targets for Cooper, 30 targets for C.D. Lamb. I, I just think it's it's a toss-up of, you know, which one of those guys will score more fantasy points in these playoffs. And I think C.D. Lamb's probably going to be, what, twice his owned as Amari Cooper. So, for me, if it's not Dak, I'm going to go Cooper. I'm not going to go Zeke. He just doesn't look right to me. And I think Pollard's going to be involved. And I don't, I don't want to mess with that. And given tight end premium, I think not only is Lamb going to be ahead ahead of Cooper, but Dalton Schultz probably is as well. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I absolutely love this this game. Um, you know, it's a it's a coin flip, um, and, and not not like the Bills uh, Patriots game where if the Patriots win, there's not a lot of guys on that team that you're going to this this game. Either team could win, and they're loaded with with, with skill guys. As far as uh, the, the Cowboys go, I think, if, you know, if you're only doing one, you probably go go with, with Cooper. But if you're doing multiple, I mean, again, it's so hard to predict what a guy's going to do this week, let alone three weeks from now. So you could throw a dart at, at Cooper, at Lamb. Um, Dak is kind of that like Joe Burrow on the NFC side where he gets a nice little matchup. And then if he gets, 
he wins and he gets Tampa. Well, Tampa's pass defense stinks. And even in, in, a, in, a, in a loss to Tampa, he could put up a ton of points. So um, I, I, I like the idea of Dak on the NFC side. Schultz is hard to me because, you know, they got they got the other, other, other tight end back there. And I know it's recency bias. But uh, but I, if, if, if Schultz was the only tight end there, I would actually like Schultz a lot. But I just don't don't know what to do there. Yeah, I mean, he'd be pretty easily the top Dallas play if Blake Jarwin were not in the picture. But it was the last game, and just looking at the starters, just looking at Dak Prescott's snaps, Dalton Schultz ran his smallest share of routes in any game since week three and was also third straight game in which his route rate dropped. So combine that with a negative tight end matchup for the 49ers. You know, could he do it? Sure, but he's been a target hog in the few games before that, and it doesn't seem like things are setting up for Dalton Schultz to hog those targets here. So I would be fading Dalton Schultz relative to what I expect his popularity to be. I'm with you, Jared. I'm totally out on the backfield. So it would be, for me, Dak, if I'm willing to take a chance that Dallas makes the Super Bowl or one of the wideouts if I don't think that Dallas has a real shot at making the Super Bowl. I like Schultz a little bit. That last game is very strange to me. It was over at halftime. They played, but it was also Corey Clement and Cedric Wilson. And I don't know what I want to do with the numbers from that game. Yeah. Like Schultz was Schultz was good, right? Like that could be, I'll save this until the next game because this is the maybe the key to the tournament. Here we are an hour 36. Jared, do you have to leave or are we still good? Hour 36. <laughs> I'm feeling great. All right. So we've talked about so many tight ends. Have we picked one yet? I'm I'm at I'm gonna have multiple tight ends on my team. Gronk. Well, with with each team, maybe Gronk, maybe Kelsey, but not really. Like we really haven't settled on one yet. I think I like the next game for this. All right. Well, with that teaser, we'll go ahead to the next game because you know I mentioned how I think the Cowboys are better than the three-point line. Rams and Cardinals, and we'll do these teams together because they're playing each other and they're the seeds right together the line opened at five points for the rams it's down to four in most places if you go to DraftKings, it's down to three and a half right now in case you're looking to get on some numbers but it's still higher than the dallas san francisco line and i'm surprised because i think that there's a bigger difference between the cowboys and 49ers than there is between the rams and the cardinals we've already seen these teams play twice this year and they split with each of them winning on the road so far this is probably the game more than any other in this field that I am playing. Like, I really don't know who's going to win because that's how I'm heading into this one. I just, I don't trust either of these teams. Yeah. Especially over the second half of the season, you know, neither, neither team has, has earned my trust. That said, I also think both have upside and I, I wouldn't pick them to beat green Bay in round two, especially in in Lambo. But I, I just, I think both teams have upside to make a run. This is another game. I, I, I'm going to have a skill guy from, from both sides, I think. Yeah, I'm playing a skill guy from both sides in this one, too, because I think that even if they're – whichever team is just playing here, this could be a shootout. I don't believe in the Rams' ability to make a run because I don't think that they have shown it this year in any spot that has really mattered. I think that there's always a chance that Kyler Murray just goes all Kyler Murray in a given game. So if I want to go – if I think that there's a team that can go far here and I want that to be my team instead of Dallas, I would go Kyler Murray over Matthew Stafford for sure. Quarterback Mike, what are your thoughts from Rams Cardinals? First on Murray. So if San Francisco wins, which is almost a coin flip, 
Then you'd have Murray against Dallas. Well, they would lose against Tampa or against San Francisco if Philadelphia were to win. And that is super hot. I think Kyler Murray is really fun to talk about for this. I mean, if you have a dead set quarterback, we really don't have that either. You know, there are good options from the AFC, but you can't pick Rodgers. And so Murray, Prescott, yes. I mean, so Murray is in the conversation. I think Ertz is the most obvious tight end play in the whole thing. I mean, Hopkins is not coming back. They're running backs. You don't know the health, and the game is Monday. They're not going to tell you anything that means much by Saturday, 430, which is the deadline. Ertz, look at the targets the last month. Like, Ertz, it's amazing. Like, he is the man on that offense. I think you can do other things, but he, for me, is probably the most heavily owned Arizona Cardinal, or is that nuts? I don't know. I mean, I did the first lineup that, that, that I did kind of like my feel, you know, I sit down and do my first line of my feel for the thing. And it was clearly Ertz to me from that team. You're, you're right. So maybe he is. I mean, Kyler Murray is, is kind of a safer bet because you just don't know with all the receivers there and stuff, but you know, I don't really want to play, play my, my quarterback in a game where he could probably lose the first, the first game. So I think Ertz might be that guy. If you want to, kind of roll the dice you might go connor you know with uh with 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 Edmonds uh possibly being out or whatever but i i think i think uh Ertz probably is, is is the guy there and this is the monday night game isn't it so we're not going to yeah. know yeah. probably about the running back before that which yeah which sucks because i wish we did because i think if we got either of those guys without the other they, they they'd be the play yes um, james connor average james connor averaged 23 points per game in five games without Chase Edmonds this season. Edmonds averaged 20 points per game in two games without James Conner. So they've, yeah. they've both been top five fantasy running backs without the other, but I, I don't think we'll have a clear picture of that by Saturday. So yeah, Ertz is where I'm leaning for Arizona right now. There's no Jalen Ramsey factor when it comes to Zach Ertz. I mean, like, come on. So I like Arizona in the game. I mean, Cooper Cup is almost a must-pick, right? We're skipping over the Rams, but how do you not pick yeah. Cooper Cup? Is there a good argument for not picking him? No, no I, my, I, I started Monday, you know, wanting to be the rebel that faded Cooper Cup, and I kind of wanted to play Sony Michelle, but you know, I, I think Matt made the point where I think if you're fading Cup, you're playing the Rams to lose because if you get, you know, more than one game of 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 the Rams, you're going to want Cooper cup. Um, and I don't think Michelle is a good play in a Rams loss just because, you know, he's, he's more the early down guy. He's not going to do a ton in the passing game. He's not going to rack up, you know, seven catches in a loss. So I just think, I, I guess if you're not playing cup, it'd be a Rams fade or, you know, maybe you play Matt gay or the Rams defense, but I'm playing Cooper cup. What does a Ram loss look like? It's not, it's not in, it's not zero degrees. It looks like 30 from Cooper Cup, probably. It looks, it looks like yeah. 30 to 27 or yeah. – yeah. I, I think I want to just sort of check the box on Cooper Cup, Matt, and then yeah. – Oh, yeah. And then Arizona, like Ertz, that's one game or two, so be it. If we pick a se second tight end, that's fine. But I think he gets 10 targets in this game. It would be his fifth straight game with at least nine of them, and he has six-plus catches in each of those previous four games where he saw nine-plus targets. So I agree. I mean – I, I mentioned Pat Kareen's projections a bunch of times. I know in the initial projections that he showed, he had Arizona's defense as the chalk defense and the highest owned um, mm -hmm. 
Cardinals player, I believe, with Zacherts number two at 21%. Now, I don't I don't know. If Zacherts is that low, I guess I would be surprised, but I'm not really sure, honestly, how to project these ownership rates. So if he comes in at 21%, I think he's an excellent play. He's already a good play. I think he becomes an excellent play if he's only on a fifth of the teams in the field for all the reasons that we talked about. And you're covered there whether they win or lose because Zach Ertz has been central to the passing game, you know, whatever happens in the game. So I I like Zach Ertz. I want to like Christian Kirk at a third of the ownership, but, you know, when you put the tight end premium scoring in, it's just impossible unless you're, you know, taking the chance that they suddenly go away from Zach Ertz. And to me, Zach Ertz isn't the kind of player that the defense says, well, we're going to take that guy away that catches all those seven-yard passes. Right. Yeah, he's still he's still Zach Ertz, so he's not going to be super popular. People aren't excited to play Zach Ertz, and he, you know the, the volume's been awesome, which I love, and that makes me want to play him. But the fantasy production hasn't been massive. You know, it's been good, but he hasn't scored a touchdown since that first Seahawks game, so he's not like he's not popping, you know, in, in as far as fantasy points go. So I, I do think he'll he's he's not going to be you no know, super popular. Mm-hmm. And he still yeah. hasn't broken a tackle since Obama was president. So <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Why was right. Obama trying to tackle him? <laughs> well, you know, that's for next week. So that leaves us with the final two teams here. And Mike, I think that you have been interested in the 49ers ever since we started up. So why don't you tell me what your thoughts are in who to choose and how to play the 49ers? I think Kittle is a no. My guess is he's a blocker. He's great at it. And the biggest problem they have in this game is with a bad quarterback with an injury who doesn't run against the best Hellraiser pass rushers in the NFL. Like, that's how they get killed here. But the line says three. So the line does not expect that to happen. Kittle is sacrificed to the Hellraisers. He he is out for me. Debo is, you know, awesome. He's a legend already. Like, that guy, he's, I don't know if he's most heavily owned. You guys will tell me, but... He scores all the time. There's tons to like there. I like Mitchell a lot because if they stay in the game, Mitchell, there are two running backs in the NFC that will definitely be the running back on their teams. That's Fournette and Mitchell. Everything else is, I don't know, like Pollard exists, you know, who knows with Arizona, who knows with Green Bay. So Mitchell for me deserves to be considered. Ayuk is, I'm out of ideas, but I have 10 teams, and let me just throw Ayuk in, and then if they beat Dallas, then who knows? He, he's good for 5-140 and 140 two times in the play. Like, I, he's great, so fine, but Kittle is, I'm obviously making the Kittle point about this game in particular, and they could win, and then he could be great after that. That's kind of the year he had, right? Like, toward the end, the huge game, and then the he went away against Tennessee, up and down. So I think Debo is fine. Maybe Debo is the obvious pick. I think Mitchell deserves to be talked about. And I think they are very live to win the game, which makes them really interesting overall. Yeah, the Niners are really interesting. Uh, Dallas is 16th against tight ends for fantasy points and Tampa Bay's 19th. So if they win, he gets two pretty good matchups here. Kittle does. I love Debo. I want to like Elijah Mitchell, but because of Debo, I, I just can't love him the way that I want to um, because Debo just gets so many carries and he gets a lot of the carries like inside the, the, the red zone and he's, and he should, I mean, he looks 
he's the best running back on the team, along with the best receiver on the on the, on the team. So and the best uh, passer, other than Lance, <laughs> that's true. The best thrower yeah. uh, this, this this weekend. So I like I said, I'm super excited for this game. So many different weapon options. I've been alternating between Debo and 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 Kittle, um, and I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't mind. I don't I don't care who wins this game because I'm going to have bits and pieces of both both offenses. But uh, this this is going to be a very very intriguing game. Looking at Pat's um, projections here again, and you know all these are going to change, and they're just one person's take. But he has Kittle and Debo basically tied at the top of 49ers, just a little over 20 percent. Elijah Mitchell about half of that, well down, and you know lots of fades, kickers, defenses worked in here. I think that if you think this game is really a toss up, or if you like the Niners to win this game, then Elijah Mitchell becomes a really good play because it's it's Damian Harris on the other side. And it's probably a team that you can more easily like because of all the offensive talent that we have talked about. I know that Debo takes some rushing away, but the past five times that Elijah Mitchell played, he carried 21 plus times in those games. So, I mean, the likelihood that he falls into the end zone at some point, if he's getting that much work, and I do think he gets that much work if they win this game, at Dallas, he becomes a good play because of that low ownership percentage. That doesn't make Debo Samuel a bad play. I certainly think he's in the mix as well. I agree with what you said about George Kittle, Mike. I would lean away from him because I think he will probably come in even, I don't know, it's it's tough because of what Debo's done this year. I would still bet Kittle's the top 49er because of the tight end premium scoring. And because even though he disappointed more recently, it wasn't too far beyond that that we have to look to find the monster games that we can hope to get in this tournament. So ultimately, since I'm betting on Dak Prescott primarily, I'm not playing Elijah Mitchell because I don't think that's a good path to play that workhorse running back in a game I want Dallas to win. But I think otherwise you mix Debo and Elijah Mitchell as your primary 49ers exposure. Yeah, I agree completely that Mitchell is the play if you're playing for a Niners win because, you know, if he gets positive game trip, he's going to get 20 plus carries and then he'd go to green Bay and, I know it's a different season, but that was the what Raheem Mostert four touchdown game against the Packers a couple of years ago. And I, and I still just think that's kind of how you beat the Packers is, you know, physical, uh, you know, run heavy game plan. So I do think that would be a good spot for Mitchell, too. Um, I, I do think Dallas wins this game. So Debo is going to be my 49er, especially if they're close in ownership or even Kittle's going to be higher owned. I like Debo. Um, I, I just think their ceilings are similar. And Kittle's floor is much lower. You know, we've still seen a ton of games this year where Kittle gets just two or three targets because, you know, like Mike said, he is having to block a whole lot. By the way, uh, Adam, Steven, our guest last night who won the tournament last year, was fourth the year before with yes. Moster, which is that's pretty good. I, I told him you were there. I told him last night, like, you should go on Kimmel. He finishes top <laughs> ten. This year, right. like fourth, first, top ten, you should go on Kimmel. You can at least get him on our. We can at least get him on our podcast. On here, he should be at right. least be on yeah. here. The very exactly, nice. exactly. At least, I think uh, that what we need to do instead of talking through all this is just ask him who he's playing and then copy it. Bingo. Fifteen teams. <laughs> there you go. That's all. That's, that's, that's all you need. Just send me um, the best one. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I don't hate Garoppolo as much as everybody else, but. I can see the Niners winning a shootout here, not having to rely on Elijah Mitchell. Like they've got great weapons there. I, I think is if they win, is it probable that it's because of the ground game and Mitchell? Sure. But I also 
could absolutely see a shootout win and a shootout loss from them. So that's why I'm kind of intrigued by the George Kittle, the Debo. I'm not going to do Iuke. I would, I would rather do Mitchell than Iuke, but um, that, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just nuts. Well, I mean, I wouldn't full fade George Kittle here. I would say I'm, I would be, I would be underweight on him in DFS terms, but I certainly think it makes sense to keep Kittle in consideration for, for this. And, you know, there's some shootout potential. I'm not betting on it, but you know, it's possible. They just had a shootout last week. I'm focused on the line, which really stuns me. I think Dallas has such good metrics, but the line is three. How do you guys translate or interpret what that line is versus what you think the public attitude is about the 49ers? Because if we sort of are slaves to the line, then I think we're sort of all in on San Francisco. I mean, three, 51 and three, that's a perfect. A three-point underdog, 51, the first round is perfect. Right. If you don't like the one seed, which we mostly do, but – I love Jared's point about how to beat Green Bay. Like, nobody really thinks Green Bay is amazing. I don't know. Like, San Francisco could be sort of the – not obvious, but it's there. If you if you like them enough to beat Dallas, 3-51, and 51, come on. Like, yeah, it, the, the Niners have the highest implied total among all the underdogs right. in this weekend's games. Um, and, and I do think they're dangerous. They, they need Jeremy Garoppolo to not, you know, crap his pants. And I think if he plays okay, they, they can make a run. So I like Dallas to win this game, but I'm, I'm I'm playing both sides of it in case the Niners win. And the intriguing thing is too, like, you know, the Cowboys have had a great defense, but they've they've been opportunistic and they forced turnovers and they got pick sixes. Like Diggs gives has given up over a thousand yards receiving this year. Like it's not like they're really shutting down teams. They're just they're scoring defensive t- touchdowns. So. I do like uh, the Niners' chance to win. I like the Niners' chance to score a lot of points, and uh, and yeah, that's is that that's that's what's got me really excited about about this game is even in in a loss, like you're the guy you pick from the from the Niners or the Cowboys will probably will probably do, do well. So does does that have you throwing away Dak Prescott as a QB option? I don't think so, because again, I think he's I think he's the the Burrow on this side. Uh, on that FC side of the bracket, where you know a shootout uh, win would is 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 what I expect. Um, I, again, Dak's probably my uh, uh, third or fourth qu- quarterback that I would use. So I guess maybe does that mean I throw him out? Probably not. I'll probably have him on one. Well, but um, if but you, yeah, so I like I like the shootout potential. If you like the chances of the Niners beating uh, Dallas in Dallas this week. If the Cowboys win that game, I mean, they're going to play against a better team next week. So then it's Dallas against Tampa Bay. And so then can you bet on Dak Prescott winning a second game if you're not sure that you want to bet on him winning a first game? And then does that take him out of your QB consideration, just make it easier to play somebody from the AFC instead? Mike said that, you know, I think you said this, Mike, that Dallas is kind of the the bills of the NFC. Was that Dallas you said that about? Well, I, I, mean, point, I, I do think that's true. I they're, think they're one, two in the league. That's all. Yeah. And I, and I Three think, seasons. and I think to, to me, Dallas and Buffalo have the highest ceilings of any two teams in the league. I think if both teams play their a games, that's going to be your super bowl, but I, but they're both super erratic, especially Buffalo more so I think. Um, but if, if they can both string together four good games, I, I think that's going to be your super bowl. Well, they probably both won't do it right. Like right. odds are against <laughs> both doing it. 
Yeah. So I don't know what we do ultimately with this contest, but Adam, you and I watched Dallas Tampa, the first game of the season in Vegas and Prescott threw for four fifty. He threw on every play. Nobody wanted to draft Elliott after that game. It'd be funny if it ended on that game. I don't know. It's Dallas, San Francisco. I'm old enough to like, maybe you guys are. That's uh that's I mean, Dwight Clark and then the nineties. That's so good. There, and, there's an argument for like too bad. They're both playing the first week because you know, you have Arizona or whatever, but I, I love Dallas and San Francisco. I'd watch that Wednesday, 3 a.m. I mean, Dallas Buffalo to exercise the demon sounds, sounds good too. <laughs> yeah. We have one more team in the NFC and I don't think there's a lot to say about it because uh, if you're probably not playing Eagle and if it is, it's, it's Dallas got it right for tight end premium. I mean, is there really another consideration here? Nope. No, no, I don't. I think it's, I I think it's Goddard or Jake Elliott. If you want to, you know, maybe just pivot from Carlson to Jake Elliott. I have a couple of Eagles defense teams because Tampa is like, even that, uh, is it Grayson or Granson? He, he got hurt too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the Eagles sort of somehow fluked their way to a couple sacks and a touchdown or something. Because you, you want that, yes or no? Like, you want that defense pick to be just like a throwaway. Uh, you have, if you have four teams you think are all about the same at the bottom, I sort of like Philadelphia. I just see, like, in the, in the FFPC with the defensive scoring, unless you score a touchdown, you're probably not going to do much or get a, you know, a million set. And I just don't see Brady throwing a pick sixes against against the Eagles. Um, the, the only other piece of the, to the to the Eagles puzzle is if you do play a bunch and you, and you do and you are going to go with a with, with a skill guy, uh, Tampa Bay's twenty seventh uh, as far as giving up fantasy points to the receivers. So you could always go, go go that route with Devonta Smith. I would say that there's no good defense play. So mm-hmm. the Eagles get attractive because there aren't going to be many rosters playing the Eagles defense relative right. to others. Sure. Give me Darius yeah. Slay. Yeah, that's <laughs> if, yeah. if he does catch one, Brady will let him go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, go. that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the argument for Phillies D is defense is random and they're going to be low owned. But T- Tampa is the worst matchup for opposing defenses this season. Now, a lot of that came with Antonio Brown. And Chris Godwin, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Brady doesn't let himself get sacked, and he doesn't throw a whole lot of interceptions, so I, it's not a great spot. But again, they're going to be low owned, so if that's your reason for playing them, then I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's going to do it. Right, just short of the two hour mark for this no. playoff challenge centered podcast. <laughs> you have to get the two hours. Thank, thank <laughs> you, Ethan. Don't worry, I have my outro still to go. It's never, it never passes quickly. So. Mike, thank you and Adam for joining us for this as we do every year. Um, we should make sure that Jared's in the draft next year so that we can keep Mike from winning it. You should check out, as we've referenced, the pod or stream from Wednesday night's interview with Adam and Mike and Stephen Rannigan and also Alex Kaganowski, uh, co-founder of the FFPC. Lots of good stuff in there, whether you're a player looking to next year or whether you're somebody planning out your playoff challenge lineups. What did you think of that, Matt? Like, what did you and Jared think of what he said? So I thought he had good answers for why they do things the way they do for the most part. Flatten the football guys championship. Do you guys have any, like, reactions? Oh, I, would, I, I mean, I would, I would never assume that they don't think through all this stuff a lot more than I have and a lot more than probably anyone else has. So I'm, you know, I'm sure they have good reasons for everything they do. Um, I'm a fan of team kickers, though. That's, that's the one I want to see. Oh. See, I, I I like what he said about kickers, so I can't uh, 
Anyway, I've had a good night. I don't want to battle. <laughs> you have had a good night. You've, you've been good. <laughs> <laughs> I did leave for a while. Some commotion upstairs. Your young daughter is pretty, pretty young, minus 10. But, um, you know, young enough. Wild times. <laughs> well, check out that podcast to get all the answers. You can also check out draftsharks.com. For more strategy on the FFPC Challenge, our, boy, our pal Kevin is, um, you know, not, a, by the way, a big money tournament winner himself. It wasn't the FFPC Playoff Challenge, but knows a thing or two about winning large field tournaments. So he's working on an article to add to the strategy for this challenge, which obviously takes so much of it. We just spent two hours talking about picking one player from each playoff team. So if you're competing in the FFPC Playoff Challenge, or the football guys version. I hope we gave you enough help tonight so you can finish right behind us on the final leaderboard. For Jared, Mike, Adam, and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us. <laughs>